Welcome to Classic Lutheran Preaching, C.F.W. Walther. C.F.W. Walther was a parish pastor, later professor and first president of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He was also the first president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. These sermons were preached from 1840 to 1870, predominantly in congregations of the St. Louis area. Unfortunately, we do not know the specific dates and locations of most of these sermons as they have been lost to time. These sermons were originally preached and published in German and translated by Donald Heck. They're available in two volumes from Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri, cph.org. Thank you for listening. The first Sunday in Lent, Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, among the doctrines under vehement attack today is the doctrine of a devil who, with hostile intent, ceaselessly tempts man. Yes, many even assert that, though they may believe in the whole Bible, they cannot possibly believe in a devil at least not in a devil who can work among men. On this point, there is little debate with one who rejects God's word. The doctrine of Satan concerns the invisible spirit world, which cannot be elucidated by our reason, but by the word of divine revelation. If one rejects divine revelation, the doctrine of the mysterious power of darkness must also be foolishness. Why should an atheist, a naturalist, and a moralist believe in an evil spirit, an invisible enemy of souls, a tempter, a seducer of men, when he does not believe in the grace and redemption of his Savior? Luther says in his exposition of Peter's words, Be ready always to give an answer to every man. If you hear people who are so completely blinded and hardened that they deny that this is God's word, or they are in doubt about it, just keep silence. Do not say a word to them and let them go their way. Just say, I will give you enough proof from Scripture. If you want to believe it, this is good. If not, I will give you nothing else. Then you may say, Ah, in this way God's word must needs be brought into disgrace. Leave this to God. The poison of unbelief and skepticism so controls Christendom and has so infected countless people that even those who do not exactly want to reject the Holy Scriptures doubt Satan's presence, or at least his influence on men. However, as certain as it is that there is a God who revealed himself in the Holy Scriptures, so certain is it that there is also a devil. Satan is not only named here and there in Scripture, But the Bible describes in detail his origin, essence, characteristics, how he works power over the human race, his kingdom, abode, and his present and future fate. We find the doctrine of Satan in all the books of the Old and New Testament, in Genesis as well as in the Revelation of St. John. The sacred writings do not mention Satan incidentally, but the doctrine of Satan is so interwoven in the whole of Christian doctrine that the entire structure would collapse if one denies the existence of that evil spirit. If one denies the existence of the devil, 
One must also deny the fall of man, original sin, the redemption, Christ, baptism, yes, the entire gospel. Yes, then one must make a liar out of the prophets, apostles, and even Christ himself. Briefly, the scriptures tell us that God not only created man, but also an infinite number of higher spirits, the angels, and gave them great glory. They were to serve him and carry out his commands. However, one of the foremost of these angels fell from God, and with him a great host. That fallen angel was hurled to hell in chains. This wicked enemy, however, decided to found a different kingdom in place of the one he lost to destroy God's creation. When God had first created the first man in his image, Satan tried to make him also disloyal and lead him into sin. Moses relates in Genesis 3 how Satan succeeded. Man let himself be misled, renounced obedience to God, fell into sin, and thus become a subject of the kingdom of darkness. Sinful parents now beget sinful children. Every man is now by nature not in God's kingdom, but in the kingdom of God's enemy. God's kingdom disappeared from earth when sin entered. Scripture says that the prince of this world is Satan, that he ceaselessly speaks to spread even more sin, error, blindness, darkness, misery, and misfortune. It says he is the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2, and that he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, 2 Peter 5. He is at work in the sons of disobedience and has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, 2 Corinthians 4. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, Ephesians 6. God's word, however, reveals not only the abyss of Satan, but also the depths of eternal love. It reveals not only the power and cunning of the evil spirit, but also the mighty Lord of heaven and earth. It reveals not only our misery in the kingdom of Satan, but also how Jesus Christ, the Son of God and man, conquered Satan, redeemed us from his kingdom, rescued us from the power of darkness, and instituted a new divine kingdom of grace, through his blood, in which all who believe in him find freedom and salvation. Our text today presents a battle, the battle of our Redeemer that he waged for us with the Prince of Darkness. Let us consider it in the present hour for the strengthening of our faith. Matthew 4, 1-11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. 
Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the word of the Lord. Under the guidance of this gospel, we today direct our attention to Christ's victorious battle with the Prince of Darkness. We consider how Christ battled and conquered for all men, and how also a Christian with the power of Christ may overcome Satan. We pray, O Jesus, faithful Savior, who once struggled for us in a severe battle, we are gathered today to ponder that struggle. O grant that at least for the salvation of our souls, your believers might be mightily strengthened in the faith. Let all of us embrace you in faith. O dearest Lord Jesus, you alone know how many of us are still in the power of darkness. Arise, arise, struggle today for also these souls. Resurrect the dead, establish the fallen, give joy to the despondent, courage to the faint, and so today again, be victorious through your word. You alone should have the honor, O Jesus, forever and ever. Amen. A most amazing battle is related in our gospel reading today. Christ had just been baptized. Heaven had opened over him as though it wanted to sink to earth. Now we see hell open beneath him and with all its power rush upon Christ. How amazing! Once the Son of God had hurled Satan from heaven. Here on earth, he allows himself to be attacked, led around, laughed at, and mocked by Satan. He does not conquer him by one almighty word as well as he could have, but through the written word of God. He, who is the eternal light, struggled with the spirit of darkness, the eternal truth with the father of lies, the most holy with the spirit of uncleanness, the king of heaven with the powerless captive of hell. The Son of God let himself be placed by Satan on the pinnacle of the temple. He allows Satan to demand that he worship him. What an amazing struggle. When we read at the beginning of the gospel, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, we see that Christ's struggle was not something accidental. It was arranged by God himself. It occurred according to God's eternal gracious counsel. Christ, of his own free will, now fulfilled it. Had Christ not wanted it, Satan could not have appeared before him, let alone dare tempt and assail him. Christ did not wage this war for himself. He battled as the surety, the mediator, the substitute of the whole human race, for all men, for us who are gathered here. Through sin, all men sold themselves to Satan. All became his servants and subjects of his kingdom. To redeem and save men, Christ came as the real owner of all the souls of men in order to conquer Satan, destroy his kingdom, take his booty away again, free us from his power, and lead all men through the kingdom of grace into the kingdom of eternal glory. Thus St. John says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3 Yes, the first prophecy of Christ which the first human pair received from God in paradise was that the woman's offspring, that is, Christ, the son of the virgin, would bruise the serpent's head, that is, 
the devils. Of course, Christ did this chiefly through his bloody death on the cross. There, the serpent's head was completely crushed. However, the battle with Satan, which is related in our gospel reading today, was the beginning. It was, so to say, the first assault. This battle was the first engagement touched off by the Lord of our salvation in order to tread down Satan under our feet. It was the first defeat of the infernal host to show them how a stronger one had come. Scarcely had Christ begun his ministry when immediately he attacked Satan. He did not leave the field until he had won the last engagement for us on the cross and could cry out, It is finished. The resurrection immediately following upon it was the victory shout of the world's mediator, the great Te Deum Laudamus. We praise you, O Lord. The descent into hell and ascension into heaven were the victor's glorious triumphant procession. Yet all this could not have followed had Christ not won his first battle in the wilderness. This also was therefore a necessary part of the work of our redemption. We find a wonderful prototype of Christ's battle in the Old Testament. During the reign of Saul, the army of Israel fought the Philistines. The battle was about to begin when, behold, a giant of frightening size and strength stepped forth from the army of the enemy, derided God's people, and proposed that he was now ready to enter into a duel with the soldier of the Israelites. If he should lose, the Philistines should be their servants. If Israel should lose, they would become the servants of the Philistines. Frightened by the unusual size of the giant, everyone fled. For 40 days, the giant repeated his threatening challenge, and no one wanted to accept it. But lo, a shepherd lad from Bethlehem Ephrathah, named David, the son of Jesse, finally stepped up and said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistines that he should defy the armies of the living God? Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. 1 Samuel 17. David stepped forward and said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Thereupon the lad slung a stone at the giant's forehead, and bleeding he fell to the ground. With this one victory, all Israel was at once rescued and smote the fleeing foe. As important as David's battle was for the temporal freedom of all Israel, so important and decisive was Christ's battle with Satan for the eternal salvation of all men. If we wish to understand this battle properly, we must imagine that the whole human race was gathered on one side in the wilderness, on the other, the army of the spirits of hell, with Satan, the giant of hell, as their head. We must imagine how Satan challenged man to a duel. There was no one who dared attempt the frightful struggle. They could expect nothing else but to be and remain the eternal slaves of Satan. But see, God's son, the real David from Bethlehem, stepped up. Of humble appearance, it is true, yet full of the invisible power of God, as we read in Luther's beautiful hymn, Dear Christians, one and all rejoice. His royal power disguised he bore, a servant's form like mine he wore. 
to lead the devil captive. Nothing less than our eternal freedom was at stake. Whether we should remain Satan's subjects or again be citizens of the kingdom of heaven, God's children and companions depended on this battle. Had Christ been conquered in the wilderness, woe unto us. However, happy are we. Christ won, won gloriously, not for himself, but for us. The bonds are severed and we are free. Everything that we had lost through the fall in paradise, Christ had again regained for us in the wilderness. Man ate of the forbidden tree. Christ hungered forty days and forty nights. Man wanted to be like God. The Son of God suffered for it when Satan skeptically and mockingly said to him, Are you the Son of God? The serpent said to man, Did God actually say? And misled man by garbling the divine word. Here, Satan tried that on Christ. He remained firm, however, and said without wavering, It is written. The servant seduced man to pride and presumption when he dazzled him by promising, When you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan also tempted Christ with pride and said, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Christ, however, triumphed. Satan had to leave. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Now, my friends, if you want to be eternally blessed by the battle of your Savior, your heavenly general, nothing more is demanded of you and all men that you play the part of a believing spectator. The important thing is not that you learn how to fight against sin and Satan from Christ's example, but the first, the most important, the main thing is that you learn to believe that Christ battled for you in your place, for your freedom and salvation. Whoever knows and feels his sins, whoever knows that hitherto he has served the devil, that he was full of unbelief, contempt of God's word, pride, vanity, lust, and love for the world, or that he at least has not really battled against the world, flesh, and Satan, let him merely look to his Savior. This champion from the stem of Jesse has held the field for us. This lion from the tribe of Judah has conquered for us. Though you may have fallen ever so deeply, though you may have even begged the devil's pardon, free yourself from this disgraceful tyranny. Side with Christ. Then you are victor over sin and hell. Then Christ also divides the spoils of war with you. Forgiveness of sins, righteousness, life, and salvation. Ah, you who still serve sin joyfully, you despise the victory of your heavenly king and wantonly remain with that infamous beaten foe. Leave, leave the army of the Philistines and come over to believing Israel. Under the shepherd's staff of the true David, you will find victory, life, and well-being. You who find no delight in sin, but remain timid and irresolute, because of your poor fight you put up, do you not see the infernal giant slain by the stone of your almighty, eternal general hurled? Of what are you afraid? Join the banner of the cross, and though you may be ever so weak, you will stand on the side of the victor. All believe in Christendom. Rejoice with St. Paul. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15. 
However, my dear children, you who already rejoice in the victory of your Prince of Life, who already exercise yourself in faith in Him, permit me, your weakest fellow soldier in the Lord, to speak on how a Christian with the power of Christ may overcome Satan. I repeat, the first use that we should make of Christ's battle with the Prince of Darkness is that we become believing spectators, not fellow soldiers, that we learn to believe that Christ has battled in our place. Whoever has thoroughly learned this can then confidently and joyfully follow Christ into the battles of the Lord, armed with faith and the word. But this is also certain. Whoever has been victorious with Christ will also fight as he did. If Satan cross swords with the head, his members dare not fail secure. Christ is the general. All believers in Christ are called to active duty in a spiritual war. The God of spiritual Israel is called the Lord Sabaoth, that is, the Lord of hosts. Every Bible passage is a war trumpet that calls the Christian to battle. In baptism we all vowed to renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways, that is, to fight against him. Just as Christ was driven into the wilderness immediately after his baptism to be tempted, so all who are baptized in Jesus Christ should expect nothing else. Hence, my dear Christian, if you believe in Christ and his word, if you find comfort in his victory, happy are you. You have chosen the best part. Bear in mind, you are saved, but in hope. You are still in the world. You still have sin in you. You still have flesh and blood. Yes, most important, you are still in the land of death, a stranger where Satan dwells. He is around you with his assistance and tools. He is busy trying to ruin you again, trying to make you tired and faint, so that you will leave Christ, yield to him again, and let yourself be brought under his scepter. Do not suppose that Satan is far away. He is in his members, the countless spirits of darkness wherever men are, and most fiercely where Christians are. He is at your side in your room when you pray, when you read God's word. He is around you when you tend to your work. He is next to you when you go to church, hear the sermon, partake of the sacrament. Wherever you go, he tries to tempt and fell you. Two things are therefore necessary. First, that you recognize the devil's cunning. And second, that you know how you can overcome him. We learn both from the example of our Lord in the wilderness. Satan sought to overcome Christ by a threefold temptation. First, he held his need before him in order to get him to doubt whether he really was the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. He wants to say, how can you say that you are God's Son when you are in distress? When this temptation would not work, Satan placed Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Satan sought to mislead Christ by twisting God's word. He quoted a Bible passage, but he let out the, left out the important words. It says most clearly in Psalm 91, to guard you in all your ways. Satan wanted that Christ should overlook these words and not remain in his ways, but tempting God, jump down. When also this temptation would not succeed, he became still more shameless and took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, 
All these I will give to you, if you will fall down and worship me. Satan tried to bind and wind Christ through riches, honor, and the lust of the world. There you see, my friends, the three main temptations that meet every Christian. Satan either tries to make the Christian despair through poverty, want, trouble, misery, disgrace, mockery, and all manner of misfortune, or he seeks to move him through the falsification of God's word to all sorts of dangerous errors, heresy, and doubts about God's word, or Satan tries to entangle the Christian's poor heart through the illusion of good days, riches, honor, and the lust of the world. Hence, my dear Christian, Learn to recognize the art of the evil foe. Satan is all around you and tries all possible keys to open your heart again. If he cannot open it with the key of shame and misery, he tries the key of false doctrine. If that does not open it, he tries the key of lust and good days. Of course, Satan nowadays very often appears in a visible, assumed image, as old and new examples prove. But Satan appears to Christians most often under the guise of money false doctrine, honor, and earthly lust. So, my dear Christian, note carefully. If your earthly trouble tempts you to despair of God's goodness and help, if you begin to burden your heart with worries, you may most certainly believe that the devil stands before you and calls to you, If you are God's child, command that these stones be made to bread. Pray yourself into health. Pray yourself free from your disgrace. Yes, just let go of your faith. It is worth nothing. Or, if you are tempted to doubt one of the precious teachings of your Christian faith, if God's word is even held before you, do not doubt in the least that Satan stands before you and says, It is written, he will command his angels concerning you. Note well that Satan, through false doctrine, quotes God's word, but he garbles it. He tears it out of its context in order to beguile you. It is Satan's method to give us one truth in order to bring in ten errors. Therefore, be warned. Satan seeks to pervert God's word so that he gives false comfort for sins against conscience. If the sin is committed, he tries so to pervert God's word as though there were no grace for this sin. He knows how, by lock and key, to deprive the poor conscience of all comfort. Or... Satan tries to pervert God's word so that it seems to contradict itself, thereby trying to bring doubt into the heart and cause you to fall completely from the truth. Finally, note also this. If you are in the faith, you will often be tempted to injure your conscience for the sake of earthly advantage, deny Christ, and leave God's word. Then think that Satan stands before you and calls to you, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Yes, consider every proud thought that arises in you as nothing else than a being placed by Satan on the pinnacle of the temple in order to push you off. My friends, you see that Job is correct in saying, Has not man a hard service on earth? And are not his days like the days of a hired hand? Job 7. Of a truth, being a true Christian is not an idle sport, no fun or play. It is a continual struggle with flesh, world, and Satan. Whoever dreams of rest, peace, and good days as a Christian deceives himself. Satan is the enemy of all men, but he is the most bitter enemy of believers. He slinks after them day and night to entice them from their fortress and push them into darkness, 
blindness, sin, death, and ruin. Now, how should a Christian defend himself? Christ the general takes the lead. His own follow him. How does Christ do battle? How is he victorious? Satan tempted him to unbelief, and he answered, It is written. Satan tempted him to false doctrine, and he answered, It is written. Satan tempted him to pride, and he answered, It is written. Learn from this, my dear friends. Stubbornness does not unite with those who have departed from God's word. My friends, make that your weapon in all temptations. Learn from your Savior in all of Satan's attacks to answer, It is written. The word of God is the sword of the Spirit. If you seize it in faith, you can do battle. And all the fiery arrows of the devil will be put on the shield of faith. If trouble tempts you, take the verse, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13. If false doctrine tempts you, simply cling to the word. Do not depart from a letter, otherwise you are lost. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1. Amen. You've been listening to Classic Lutheran Preaching, C.F.W. Walther. These sermons are available in two volumes as a part of Walther's Works, Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri, cph.org. We thank you for tuning in, and we pray that God's Word has and will continue to be a great blessing in your life.